0: Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code GLOW. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time
1: Welcome to the BT Sport MotoGP podcast from the Catalan Grand Prix. A sombre mood in the paddock this weekend following the death of Moto2 rider Luis Salom who lost his life after a crash in free practice on Friday. The talented and passionate Spaniard scored 28 podium finishes in his career including nine victories. Our condolences go out to the family and friends of Luis. The team's riders and Luis's family unanimously agreed that racing should continue this weekend. Here is how the race was won.
2: Valentino Rossi wins the Grand Prix of Catalonia in absolutely magnificent style. Marquez is second and coming home third on that softer option tyre will be Danny Pedrosa. So two Reptile Hondas in the top three. Job well done for Honda. And Maverick Vinales, surely, will he make it through? Yes, he does, I'm sure. So Maverick Vinales will come through to take fourth place on the Suzuki. Another great ride from the youngster.
1: Coming up, the views of Colin Edwards, Neil Hodgson, and Gavin Emmett. But first, let's hear from Julian Ryder and Keith Yorn. Fantastic weekend was
3: in prospect here at Catalonia, of course. But uh, on Friday, uh, it was just like the rug being tugged out from underneath us all, wasn't it? It's a, it's a Louis Salom. I was introduced to him last year by Irene Trimby from International Race Teams Association, and from that point, you know, the kid who I'd never known or ever met before was just every time he saw me, always. Remember to come over and say hi, you know, quick handshake and the like. I mean, he was just one of those kids that you couldn't dislike in any way, shape or form. He just had a happy-go-lucky manner to him. And he was a pleasure to see and and find around the paddock. The minute silence was... uh... Yeah, that got everybody.
4: Difficult, wasn't it? Yeah, so le- let's just use that word, Keith, without to say anything else. Well, maybe we? I
3: can describe it then, because I can tell from your voice straight away that it, it, it gets to you every time we talk about it. It does, Keith. Um, we were all here, all the commentators, Gavin, Neil, uh, Julian and myself, watching the minute silence. I'm I'm not great with other people's grief, I must say. I'm OK with my own, but I'm not great seeing other people, Snap. other people's families. Snap. I couldn't look at you guys, and at one point when the shot went to his parents, I had to look away from the screen and away from you guys because I didn't want you to catch me with a a little bit in my eye, and I know that everyone else (laughs) in here was exactly the same. Oh, that was unanimous, mate. We were all managing it, and that will have been worldwide.
4: We live in this paddock, which is a small village that moves around the world. It is true, all those clichés, everybody knows everybody else. Uh, We stay in the same hotels, travel on the same aeroplanes and uh, see each other at airports. Yeah, it's the village. It's a mobile village. And when you lose one person in these traumatic circumstances, you're quite right, Keith, it affects everybody. And it affects everybody really quite
3: profoundly. I think the fans as well, you know, the the thing with our game, any sport, you feel you know the sportsman better than you actually do. You feel like they are part of your family. You followed them, you know their career, you know their birthdays, you know everything that's going on, you know their family from what we've tried to give across on the TV, what radio, what the stuff you write, you know, it's it's a loss to to many fans as well that are looking in. So, you've never got to forget the fact that fans feel the loss as much as, as we do. Good kid.
4: That Good was kid. how we started the weekend. Am I allowed to leap right to the end of the weekend now to uh, say something? Well, you got contrast, haven't you?
3: And that's the great thing about this weekend yeah. here in Catalonia. I felt
4: hideous about starting uh, the racing today. And once Valentino and Mark Marquez shook hands, all of a sudden there was a bit of hope in the world.
3: Yeah, it was a remarkable moment, wasn't it? I mean, it warmed the hearts of everybody, I think, that was feeling fairly down at the time. And it will have been the emotion of the weekend that brought that action back together. Yes. Uh, we saw a, a tremendously... Yeah, the animosity in the press conference last night oh, on Saturday night. I've vicious. never seen anything like it before. Vicious. Uh, Johan Zarco got riled and got stuck into a, a, a press reporter, which is fairly unusual. I mean, the bloke did ask a clumsy question, but... Uh, and tried to try to... to, to ask whether Valentino had been lying or Carmelo Espilleta had been lying about a particular point of fact but um, uh, asked in a way on an emotional night just immediately after that yeah. Joanne Zarco had, had, had spoken so eloquently about the loss of Luis Salom The the handshake Keith some perspective returned Yeah, I mean life is, uh, life is good in this paddock it's, it's yes. not about um, the, 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 the dummy throwing that we'd seen from, from Philip Island of last year and then in flames on the Sepang um, side of things but it's good to see those two racing cleanly again and it was oh. now we've got the two of them back together what a fantastic race between them what a great finale to the yep. catalonian grand prix we
4: can now without feeling guilty look forward to assen
3: yeah i think the focus will will now you know the f- Everybody will get over this weekend, we'll remember the people that we need to remember and the focus will return to the sport again and without that animosity that was underlying before. Of course, animosity perhaps <laughs> hasn't gone completely because Andrea Ianone, what a complete idiot. He took out... a Rule number one is don't take your teammate out, which, oh. is, which is what he's already done in Argentina. Strike one. Rule number two, don't take out the world champion, the world championship leader or anybody going for the world championship. I mean, it was the most it was the most stupid rookie mistake on a motorcycle there were two options he had at the time blast down the outside when he was approaching lorenzo's rear end at a rate that was more than what he was going to stop at or dive to the inside there were two options he'd got you've got outside if that wasn't a clear option the onboard camera is difficult to judge from but when you're on board piloting the thing you know what you've got to do or aim at the apex let the brakes off and fire yourself okay he's going to lose time because he's going to run off the track but it's all concrete there anyway so we had plenty of room to turn it around the
4: mistake was made 30, 40, 50 metres back exactly and more but what an idiot Uh, yeah it's interesting Um, after the Argentina incident when he took his teammate off as you said on the last corner the ex-motorcycle racers who I work and live in this paddock with yourself included were trying very hard to give him the benefit of the doubt
3: absolutely and I was one of them it's a situation. There was a gap there. You were being very polite there, Jules. Yeah, I, I thank you for that. <laughs> you can tell it's an after-hours broadcast yes. that we're now doing, can't you? <laughs> no,
4: and I, I always understand that yeah. uh, you know you're trying. The racer brain is trying to justify a passing move. There was a
3: gap. He went for allegedly, it. but the problem was it was a gap that was filled by his teammate. Um, and the risk yeah. involved in that is too high to make that move. Which Never,
4: nevertheless, I heard X-Racers defending the attempt. Yeah. I have heard not one smidgen of that this week. No, weekend. because it looked like an amateur move. Let's talk about Valentino Rossi. <laughs>
3: what can you say? I mean, I know. He's, he's back on for his 10th world title. Just when he looked like he was out of it after the... the you know, it ended up in a, a cloud of disappointing smoke down at Mugello. Suddenly, Lorenzo, the, the pendulum swings in the Yamaha camp once again. Indeed.
4: And my mind is racing ahead beyond the 10th 10th world title, which is obviously on this season. My mind is looking at Giacomo Agostini's all-time record of wins.
3: Absolutely, I mean, he has retrieved something from nowhere this weekend in Catalonia. That bike was nowhere near the bike for a race win. Honda looked like they got it all sewn up. Everybody was talking around here last night like everyone, they would got it sewn up. And then, come the day, cometh the man, and uh, somehow he and Silvano Gabaschera Found something from it. I think, really. I mean, we sound quite subdued because we are. I think uh, it's been a, a sad weekend and one for elation as well at the same time. I think the sport has suffered terribly with the loss of Louis Salom, but recovered magnificently through uh, the Marquez and Valentino Rossi Park Ferme antics. I think that's a, a good thing for the sport. A and I've tini- got to say,
4: a, looking a t- forward to Assen. Oh yes, a tiny gesture, just it a makes handshake. all the difference. But the difference it made to the mood in this place, quite out of all proportion that you could ever believe. Well, maybe we should just finish on a handshake then, Jules. Pleasure doing business with you, mate. As ever, dear boy.
1: So much to talk about. I think we need a fellow who was involved in that race. Didn't work out for you, Bradley Smith. We know you had transmission problems. We believe there are trans- transmission problems. Um, very quickly, what happened to you? <laughs>
5: Yeah, unfortunately, just as soon as I started the race, I was having some some shifting problems. Um, And then it just got worse and worse, and in the end, you know, become terminal. So, uh, frustrating, because it's been a tough weekend. I found that this morning in warm-up, we certainly found our feet, and we had a good chance of putting in a strong performance. But, yeah, then, unfortunately, uh, yeah, after five laps, it's already game over. So, frustrating, but it's nice that we have a test tomorrow. So, at least I get to... uh, to ride out some frustration and uh, put in some laps.
1: It was interesting there was a transmission that gave up on you because actually we thought the tires were going to be the issue. You're one of just two riders, yourself and a teammate who went for medium front and rears. I think Danny went for a medium rear as well. Uh, it was a, a strange decision that kind of against the tide of, of, of opinion out there really, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, but we've been doing work all weekend and we could do a better pace with the, the medium. And even when the medium went off, just that softer rubber hooked up a little bit better um you know with with our bikes that seems to to be key uh we need to you know a little bit of softer rubber to keep that grip Um, whereas like with the harder tire when it went off it would just spin it would almost be like plastic so you know it made sense me and my teammate we both you know said similar things and uh we both had you know similar similar issues so uh it worked out for him which was good hey look behind you i got a question so there was a couple there was a
6: session we saw you were back at 21st 22nd and it was look miserable yeah. then next thing you know you drop two seconds what? I don't yeah. understand this come on give
5: me some insight okay so um, really we were trying to make the hard tire work so all the time rather than putting the the soft ones in I kept on trying to make the hard tire work so that's why the lap times looked a lot worse than they when they really were because I thought, you know, as did most, I think that the hard tire was going to be, you know, the one for us. So we carried on working, carried on working, but I just couldn't do a 46. I was stuck in 47s, yeah. even in good conditions. And I was worried that if I didn't go with it, I wouldn't be able to go with the pace at the beginning of the race. Yeah. And, you know, it was just one of those ones that, you know, me and my teammate both fought the same thing. It worked out for him. He got fifth today. Yeah. So, you know, that was that was it. My next question. Strange
6: situation. You guys qualified in 43s and 44s or whatever. Race pace at the end of was forty-eight 0s, 47... 49, Some guys. How yeah, hard the is it to race four <laughs>
5: seconds off the pace? I mean, it's just strange. It's a strange uh, race. Yeah, the bike just doesn't seem to work. Um, you know, you're literally just floating into every corner. You send it in there and you miss your apex by three meters. You know, the it's a two-wheel drift. You know, you're looking at the apex, going, okay, when's it going <laughs> to hook up? So, uh, you know, you're almost looking for the cushion on the outside to pull you back. But yeah, it's it's not easy. The guys did a you know a great job out there because uh, yeah. they the slowest lap times that we've seen all weekend, so for sure it was tough. I just, you know, gutted. I wasn't part of it. Yeah. I'm so
1: glad you asked a few questions because Wilco Zielenberg <laughs> just rode over my toe on the scooter. Fits <laughs> here. Um, let's talk about the issues over the course of the weekend. The is really struggling with the new track layout. What kind of problems did you have with it?
5: I mean, I. After seeing today's result, I think it's it wasn't the case, you know. Um, you know, seeing Valentino, he 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 dominated out of there. So uh, you know, I don't think it was that that type of problem. But,
1: but, but why why were they struggling yesterday? What what what? what well, maybe the question is what clicked for them, come race day.
5: Well, I think I think the thing here here lacks grip. And Hondas naturally search for grip. That's the the strength of of their motorcycle. And if you look at any type of racetrack that has low grip, the Honda seems to always work quite well. Pushes on the tyre quite aggressively and gives them some some decent drive grip there. Um, So... The Yamaha is not able to extract that maximum potential from a tyre, but it's able to remain super consistent for a race. So when the grip drops like it did today, you know that's when the Yamaha comes comes into its own. Uh, Jorge seemed to, to struggle a little bit, but I think that's because he run, uh, you know, quite. Uh his normal setting which is really long you know but out there in these conditions you know you almost needed short to put the pressure on the front and rear and i think he was struggling a little bit there but he would have still brought home you know a top five position you know had it not been for ian only. so uh the championship would be would be really close at that point
1: how about those last six laps Lead swapping between Marquez and Lorenzo it was good to watch I know I know you were suffering yourself there with disappointment yeah. but it, no, it, was it was great it to watch. was
5: good to good to see and you know nice to see that Mark you know tried we all all could see that he was on the limit you know every lap and it kind of few people were like "Ah, oh, he's got this and I'm like I'm not sure it was yo-yo in back and forth I was really surprised in the draft you know the Honda come past the Yamaha because they've been complaining all season about top speed but it seemed to be pretty strong but then the next lap valentino was able to draft him back and uh yeah valentino was super strong you can see he really really is able to break deep into here and instantly pulls like zero three, 3 you know, straight on mark, and then that, at that point you went, okay, he's got this.
1: How important for, for the sport, for your sport, to have a battle like that and then see the two guys shake hands at the end of it and just put all those rows to bed and just get on with life?
5: Well, it's how it should be. You know, that's that's it at the end of the day. It's, it's how it should be, and, uh, yeah, you know, it's been a long time coming because Malaysia has been a, a long time ago, so, uh, you know, it's nice that... That they have finally done that, and they've taken the opportunity, and we can move on for, for the positiveness of the sport.
1: You were quite outspoken over the course of the weekend, I and
5: yeah, but <laughs> that's
1: good. But you know, that's good, you know, because well, I know we all have a huge amount of respect for Valentino Rossi, but you know, some people do have to kind of disagree with them now and again, and to do so publicly is brave. I don't know what your Twitter looked like afterwards. I'd imagine it was quite interesting, but um, you know, obviously you felt passionate about it.
5: Yeah, because you know, it was a. Uh, it was something that I took really seriously. I arrived to the safety commission five minutes early, you know, and, you know, it hurt me inside to know that my job as a, as a safety commissioner, you know, we missed something, you know, and whether it's a freak accident that happened to Lewis or however we see it, we missed something that was, um, you know, unsafe on the, on the track. And, you know, that... That hurts me inside, you know. I, I failed, and so I assumed my responsibility there. And you know, we spent two hours going over different things that we can possibly do, how we can continue with the with the race. You know, I put my heart and soul into those two hours to make sure it was going to be safe, and how can we look after all the riders and the and the sport itself. And then for some guy to, to you know just to say, you know, from the comfort of you know his uh, his mat home, and he didn't put himself out like that. Oh, you should do this, and you should do that. But if you have that type of opinion, then come. You know, we need people like Valentino to speak up. He's the one that has more power than myself, you know, so come and help us rather than fighting against us and you know, making us look that we did a bad job because you know, I think we really did a great job and with the racing that we saw this weekend um, you know, and the continuation of the event, you know, which was important to do, I think we did the right thing on, on Friday and it hurt that you know, someone as powerful as him you know, kind of you know, undermined us a little bit.
1: Have have, will you obviously haven't spoken to him yet? Will you will you speak to him face to face on it?
5: Well, I hope to see him on the safety commission in Assam because uh, you know that would be be nice to to see. But it's there every Friday. Yeah, Come on. everybody knows where it is. It's five thirty on a Friday in the Dornier office. You know he's uh, you know he's been an influential guy in the past and since malaysia last year he hasn't turned up so um you know i really hope that he turns up and gives his opinion across i have nothing personal against him it just you know hurt at that moment that then the his words then influence into the journalists and the journalists come and point the fingers at us like why did you do that and you know he says that that's wrong and it's like well hang on a minute you know we're, we're trying to do the best that we can here so you know don't just don't, don't start pointing fingers at me. You know, I, I was there trying to do the best I can and that's that's yeah. all, all we can do. That's all you
1: can do. Yeah, and the, and the race ran safely, so you did the Absolutely. job well. Absolutely, um, it was
5: great racing today and like we said, everyone, you know, showed great great respect to, to Louis. so, you know, it was a, a good day for everyone.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the future British Prime Minister... Bradley Smith. <laughs> Bradley Smith, everybody. <laughs> um, we'll let you go and take the leathers off. It's piping hot out here. Right, I'll take no the microphone All off right. you. Thank you yeah, so much. Okay. Take Thank care. You. Well done. Right, Thanks, man. Care. He Thank speaks you. so well, doesn't he? he yeah, just he does. He so does. Well. Fantastic. Um, we'll talk about what he said there again in just a few minutes' time. But uh, let's catch up with Valentino Rossi. He's with Gav.
7: Valentino, congratulations. What an unbelievable performance after the troubles you were having yesterday to turn things around overnight and put together a performance. It's a great advert for motorcycle racing, isn't it?
8: Yes, it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, I'm so happy because uh, this this is one of my favorite track, but uh, I didn't won here since 2009, mm. so it's a long, long. I remember time. that race. <laughs> it was a great race. <laughs> Yesterday we struggled, uh, especially especially with the hard tires, but uh, this morning uh, we we did a modify that uh, give me better feeling with the front, and with this temperature, we also our bike is able to 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 use this tire. Uh, the warm-up was great, I was in first position, so I feel quite uh, calm, you know, before the race, because I know I have the pace. Uh, but it was, uh, was a great battle, another time to the end, but uh, I was able to to give a little, uh, I was a little bit faster, I think.
7: I asked Silvano to tell me what you did overnight, he wouldn't tell me, he said you knew, he said he knew the answer. What did you
8: do, did you make the bike a little bit shorter? No. We try, we try to something for the weight distribution for for have a better front. Uh, we know that maybe we suffer in some other areas, but uh, for make the, the bike turn in the in the short in the short section in the small section, we need we need more front grip.
7: And, and obviously, uh, this means you're back into the championship. You were saying, you know, you need to you no know, results for the likes of
8: Jorge and for Mark, but you're back in there now with this victory. <laughs> it's game on. That must give you strength. Uh, after Mugello I was very sad no? but, but I know that uh, you it you know, can happen and uh, I have just to stay concentrated and try to make the same work that I did in Mugello and uh, also uh, this Sunday I was very competitive, I was very strong so this is very good for, for the championship
7: Just finally, I think a lot of people back home and a lot of people here were pleased to see you and Mark shake hands after the race, it was a good sportsman-like clean race, wasn't it today?
8: Yes yes you know is uh, no it was it was it was a great battle and i think that uh, at the end uh, the the important is that uh, we, we are here to to make the, the maximum and but we we need uh, p- for find the the right concentration we need to stay quiet you know so it's, uh, it's better like this Valentino brilliant
7: performance congratulations well done thanks a lot Ciao. Mark, what a great advert for motorcycling after what happened on Friday. I think that was possibly the best way ever to, to be able to honour Luis. Just talk us through those last couple
9: of laps because it was real harem scarum stuff. Yeah, honestly, I ride all the race on the on the limit. Uh, I know before the race that it uh, will be difficult uh, because with the higher temperature always, we were struggling a lot. We will try to find something tomorrow because we know that uh, the races normally are with high temperature. And it was like that. Uh, I was there behind Valentino, but... Mm, never there and, and I tried to see what happened but I had a big moment and then honestly when I see Lorenzo out, uh, the, the mind changed, no? uh, I saw that uh, Lorenzo out, uh, I had a big moment and then I tried but uh, never pushed uh, like in Mugello for example never pushed in the, in the limit because it was not the, the time. What's it like riding
7: three seconds more slower than you were going in practice yesterday or even in the warm up
9: this morning? What was the feeling on board the bike? Because it, it looked really hard work. Yeah, honestly we were riding the bike uh, and I was not pushing but the bike didn't give me more uh, because uh, the tires were the limit, we were sliding a lot, spinning a lot because the temperature was really high and uh, yesterday with the clouds we were much faster uh, but uh, today the temperature is coming high for everybody and we're struggling more. But uh, anyway, happy with the with the final result. And I think happy with the red, with the battle, because in the end, this battle was for, for Luis Salom, uh, that uh, will be always on, in our heart.
7: Without a doubt, he definitely will be. And, and you're now on top of the championship, aren't you? Back again after Lorenzo's crash today. Uh, and going into Assen, new part that you've had this weekend, helping to improve things. Is, that, is this bike getting better and better? Are you feeling happier, more confident that this championship can come your way as the season goes on?
9: Yeah, we are working, but in the end, honestly, I race with the same bike like Qatar here okay. in Montmeló, <laughs> so no big improvement. But uh, anyway, tomorrow we have a test. Uh, tomorrow we, we will try to, to improve a little bit, but uh, the main target that was uh, finish from Montmeló closer as possible to Lorenzo, uh, it's done because now it's coming circuits that for us are supposed to be better. It's
7: been an emotional weekend. You've raised the stakes even higher today. Well done, Mark. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye.
1: Well, currently, any circuit that doesn't have Andre Iannone on it will be a better circuit for Jorge Lorenzo. He has every reason to be absolutely bullying after that. Um, Ten laps to go. Valentino Rossi, Marc Marquez, Danny Pedrosa, Maverick Vinales, Jorge Lorenzo in fifth position at that stage. We're waiting for tires to go off and riders in front of him and stuff. So he was well in the mix. It's really blown him today, hasn't it?
6: Yeah, I mean, Jorge looked like he was going backwards, to be honest. I mean, he he never really looked comfortable, even in the beginning laps. Just kind of set a pace, and then it just got slower and slower lower and the guys came by him and it was unfortunate for him but yeah it's blown the championship
1: wide open yeah and i suppose that's kind of what we want to see anyway we want to see it we want a nice tight championship don't well we? i mean marquez is out there a bit we
6: uh we need we need some more races like today we need jorge to get back comfortable again and you know with marquez with uh, the little part they got that's made the bike a bit better it's going to be tough
1: Um, We've had a lot of reaction uh, to the Andrea Iannone incident. Let's get Ducati's viewpoint on the whole thing. Uh, Neil is down there at the moment. Neil,
10: Paolo, you're the sporting director here at Ducati. Obviously, a very disappointing day for you guys. First of all, uh, what's Andrea saying? Which Andrea? Andrea Iannone.
11: Well, he said uh, he was breaking as usual. Eventually, Lorenzo was... uh, was a, you know, was riding defensively and uh, he was uh, quite slow. But anyway, uh, you shouldn't hit the rider in front of you. It was, I think, a uh, misjudgment. He could have waited maybe and tried to pass it in a different section, but it's uh, very unfortunate. So we have been uh, a fifth position that considering uh, the difficult weekend uh, was uh, a decent result for us.
10: So what happens now? Obviously, I know you've been in this paddock for a long time. You've seen lots of racing. What do you do now? What do you say to him with everything that happened in the past in Argentina?
11: Well, I think this maybe is uh, slightly different. We need to check a little bit more of the data. And obviously, you know, I think it was a misjudgment from his side. Uh, definitely, I think Lorenzo was quite slow and, uh, you know, defending his position, he eventually thought he could pass in the inside. But, you know, Jorge closed the line and, uh, and uh, Andrea touched him. So, you know, not much more to say at the moment.
10: You're to see the officials, I'm guessing?
11: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, now they will go both to the race direction and try to explain each others, and then see. Well, Paolo, thanks for talking to us. You're welcome. Ciao.
1: Before, before we all get pumped up, he's got to defend his rider, okay, until yes they have a review. Yes but too. I think it's probably more important to hear the views of Lin Jarvis from Yamaha. And what he had to say was he, uh, he is absolutely appalled by Inone's move. It's not acceptable riding. He hopes he gets the penalty he deserves. He's not alone. A lot of you out there feel the same. This tweet in from Dan Walker. I don't think it's football's Dan Walker. But he says, uh, how long before Andre Inone is banned from MotoGP for being a danger to other riders? Um... I mean, a ban can be any length, but it's got to be on the cards now, sure. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's going to get banned, to be honest. It's just a one race ban, two race ban. Maybe,
6: you know. But they—they got to sit him down. He just, I <laughs> can't do it anymore. Very simple, dude. Wake up. You can't do this Why? anymore. Well, just because. You, you what? you can't ban riders anymore? No, no, no. You can't go hit oh, anybody. Oh, sorry. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. talking yeah. to you. I'm talking about oh, him. I know. It's just you're so <laughs> aggressive sometimes. You terrify me, man. <laughs> sorry. No, you just can't. He can't do this anymore. Very simple. You know. Think about things a little more.
2: Moto2 at the Circuit de Catalunya. Johan Zarco then wins here from pole position. What a fantastic double that is. The IO Motorsport team win from Alex Rins in second place. Taka Nakagami comes home third. Siren beats
1: Luti to the line. Johan, I'm sure it more than ever you'd just like to be on your way home now it's been such an emotional weekend for all you Moto2 riders um, thank you so much for joining us and, uh, and really our thoughts are with all of you we talk about uh, we talk, uh, talk about Louis's family but you're a part of his racing family and I know it was a difficult one for you
12: yes when we knew the, um, that he was not in this road anymore on Friday night it uh, was difficult and uh, I think we have been disturbed also during the night we could not sleep well but then it's Saturday morning even on a different track we must go on the track and uh, and push and it was necessary to to take some time always before the practice or before the race to to brief and uh, just think about what we must do and be really strong on the bike on the circuit to don't make make mistake and uh, finally I think all together with the riders and maybe the on 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 the podium on the first position but we did everybody the best to give this and dedicate uh, all our best to, to Luis because he was part of um, part of us. Like we grew up almost together. We did Rookie's Cup together in 2007, and then uh, we move up also to 125 almost on the same time. Moto2 after. It's um, difficult things to to, to live, and um, like yeah, the victory I was. Um, happy to, to give it to, to him, I was thinking to him. And then on the podium, we, we share with, uh, with the two riders behind me this uh, this special moment. How
1: did you do it? You must have been so emotional. A lot of people have been asking, how have the riders raced today? How have they kept their mind on the job?
12: That's what I say, that we must almost do, make it on, on the part, you know, because if you have too much shit, uh, on you, you can be disturbed on the bike and but then you must think that on the bike you are going fast you are on the limit so it's better to be focused on the bike that's why take a moment before the practice to separate everything in your mind just to go on the right things
1: and there was a lovely moment right at the end of the race you went over to the corner where Lewis sadly lost his life and you made your own very personal dedication and uh, i don't know if you planned this out but a very special moment for you a very special moment for Lewis's family too i would imagine
12: Yes, and um, I cannot say if I plan it, but uh, in case of victory, I didn't want to do like the backflip because the, the backflip is really fun and uh, good for everybody. But Sunday or this weekend is not a fun weekend. So um, it was better to stay calm, but just make it and maybe the the smoke from the tyre go, goes to him.
1: It's interesting actually you say that you wanted to put on the best show possible in his memory. We got a sense of that right across all the classes today Neil, did we? don't give away the the Moto3 results just yet but certainly everyone was absolutely on the limit
10: and it was in his memory you felt. Absolutely. They did an incredible job and uh, I think Johan's explained it really well but they, you, you do just put it in a box and put it to the side but all these riders tonight and certainly tomorrow morning when you wake up and you don't have to think about you know, racing around the track, that's when Louis Slum will be, you know, in everyone's minds. But they've done such a professional job with the, the, the pressure and, you know, the stress of it all. It's, it's not nice for anybody.
1: Let's talk racing. Let's talk about your race today. And we are watching you just sitting behind Alex Rins and we are thinking, you oh, know, when's he going to go? When's he going to go? And when you went, we knew the race was yours. Uh, what was your decision-making at that time? When did you make the decision to make the move?
12: So behind him, he, he pushed a lot at the beginning of the race and... Uh... Yeah, this is the moment when I overtook him and it was, I think, seven laps to go. And I didn't want to, to overtake him uh, later in case if I don't have the advantage, maybe we can fight and it can be more difficult. That's why seven laps to go, I say, I have time to see if I take advantage and keep it or if I must play the race on the last laps with him. That's why the decision was to take the lead seven laps to go and see what's happened. But what's happened, what exactly to to go away. Uh, I could rest really well behind him doing, I don't know, maybe 13 or 15 laps. And this was useful to keep energy and push at the end. And also he's playing the championship and the. When he, could, he, he saw that it's difficult, it was better to take the points for him, and for me, better to take the victory. I love watching you ride. You're so
1: smooth, you're so comfortable out there. You just seem in so much control. Do you feel that calm on the bike when you're out there?
12: Yeah, also some women say I have so much control, so that's pretty good, oh, really? I Fair to do the same to on my bike. i like we marry her,
10: son.
1: Now we know <laughs> he's lying. <laughs>
12: Johan,
10: what's, what's changed? Because the last two rounds, you've been... That's the Johan Zarco from last year, the dominant, not putting a wheel wrong, looking relaxed incredibly fast. At the start of the season, it wasn't the same. What's changed? Is it something you've done? Is it the bike, more time on it?
12: I cannot say that yeah the the biggest change is I'm champion now so when you wake up on the morning since this winter you is in your mind so suddenly it's much more pressure and I think I I was living this pressure I'm still living but now I can control more this pressure that's this title of world champion and um, I did mistake uh, like in Qatar with the jump start but I could. Win in Argentina was really great, but then, yes, in, in Le Mans, I think, was the, the worst case on Sunday that I had no power anymore. This is experience, and, like, I mean, Zarco wants it all the time, and uh, he's pushing for this, I'm pushing for this, but this is the life. You, you learn uh, doing the bad moments, and uh, you try to, to do the best sure. to be good, so, like, two victories in a row is perfect now to, to stay there.
1: And it's perfect when you look at the championship table at the moment. Have a peek at this. I don't know if you've looked at this since you came off the bike, but you're in very good shape there, applying a lovely bit of pressure there, just eight points behind Alex Rins and right on Sam Lowe's. And we've been saying all weekend, you know, it's going to be, there's the three of you, could be even five of you feeling in the thick of a battle all the way through the season. You feel it's not going to let up this year.
12: No, we know Sam is a, a fighter, and Rins also, since many years in motocross was fighting for title, and uh, he is ready this year to to fight. He is leading now. I have this experience to to be champion, but want to be a second time champion. So, yeah, I think the three of us, like we were together on the podium in um, in Texas, we are the closest guys to to fight for title, but keep the cross, uh, keep finger cross, to do a good work all the time. You're a great champion, such a
1: gentleman as well. Really nice to talk to you at length. We don't often get to do that on race day. So thank you so much and congratulations today. Yeah, a really good Moto2 race. Uh, We had a pretty good Moto3 race as well. This is what happened.
2: It's going to be Jorge Navarro who makes it one for Spain. The first race win of the day for Spain. Jorge Navarro is your man. Brad Binder, the series leader comes back to finish second and Nenea Bastianini gets a great
1: third. Yeah, Moto3 is just a great bit of crack, isn't it? Really good stuff. This is how it all finished up. Navarro gets his first win. I can't believe it's his first win. He's just always been there, thereabouts. Brad Binder, a really good second place for him, still leading the championship. And A Bastanini in third. Romano Fanati in fourth. A bit more consistent this season from the Italian. So this is how the championship looks after seven rounds of racing. And Brad Binder, who is Mr. Consistent, still has a healthy all-lead, plus 40 points ahead of Jorge Nav- Navarro. Fanati still in third place. But... You know something, they're going to have to start chasing Binder down soon, Neil Hodgson, because, you know, just getting those points every single round, they have to start chipping away now.
10: They're yeah, going well to we, we said it at the start of the weekend, Navarro has been so consistent, like you said, it's hard to believe that's his first win, because since the middle of last year when he got his first podium, he's pretty much not been off it. But the one piece of, it, of the jigsaw that was missing was that win, and now he's got it. And now... We're going to say this championship's coming alive because oh. you're you know, you, you oh, you saying say the win just turns
1: him into a winner. He gets uh, used to that. Yeah, well, right.
10: what, what did we see with Brad Binder? It took him 70, was it 73 Grand Prix before he right. won his first one? Then he won the next one. Then he won the next one. Then he was second. So, you know, it, it's, that, it's such an it's the psycho, psychology side of it. You've, you know, you have to almost believe and know that you can do it. Now Navarro does. Now Navarro becomes dangerous.
1: Okay, that's it from Barcelona. We'll be back in three weeks' time from the Netherlands for the eighth round of the season. At